Patience, my fine feathered friend. Any three wishes. Oh, one wish, a two wish, a three wish. Then I make like a banana and see it. Pleased to know that I officially have chair privileges in my new <laughs> recording setup. So, um, as many amateur podcasts will probably tell you, uh, it turns out that a closet makes for a good recording booth. So, that's where I'm coming to you live in the midst of Febreze and old scarves and a Nintendo Switch box. So, <laughs> that's the vibe. That's the vibe we're going for. But,. Yeah, last episode, I because you know it's a closet. Usually, you don't have chairs in closets. I spent all two hours of recording standing up, like I was waiting for a roller coaster at Universal Studios or something, like a schmuck. And <laughs> my back was killing me after because I'm old. Yep. So didn't want to do that again. So I officially have a chair. I'm really, I'm really moving up the. Uh, the podcast strata. Yeah, welcome everyone to Kingdom Hearts by Hearts, the premier Kingdom Hearts podcast where we're covering the entire series from the PlayStation 2 original all the way to theoretically Melody of Memory, but who knows what'll come out next by the time we get there. Yeah. Also like the added that we are the premier kingdom hearts podcast yeah there's definitely no other kingdom hearts <laughs> podcast what are the only one i'm kevin i am something of a kingdom hearts fan and i'm joined by i'm marshall and i'm sometimes a kingdom hearts fan so this is episode eight where we will be covering uh agraba mm-hmm. agraba yes I grab a controller after breaking my old one after fighting the Cave of Wonders head. <laughs> Agabus, where things really start ramping up, in my opinion. I can back that up. But before we get into the episode proper, yeah, if you're listening for the first time, for some reason, uh, if you are, welcome. But usually, we take a little stop to the game corner before we get into the world discussion. Game corner. Where we catch up about, you know, other video games we've been playing. Marshall, what have you been playing this week? Did you did you have another moment of panic this morning? No, I didn't. You haven't been playing anything. I've been playing well, so here's the thing. Yes, I've been playing games. But two, three, four, and five, I've been playing the exact same crap I've been playing the entire time we've been recording these episodes. Yep. So I oh I've been playing stuff that we've talked about before on Game Corner, basically. Yep. Same here. I'm beginning to wonder the uh, the efficacy of this segment if we don't really play a lot. <laughs> See, if we had started this podcast last year, I, I would have had a new game every week. We would have had fire. 60 different entries. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I've also really slowed my roll. Um, so last week I, I, I said I was going to 
stopped playing Dicey Dungeons, but uh, that was that was a lie. I lied. It's a bold-faced lie. I didn't quit playing, but instead, I beat the damn thing. I finally finished it. Hey! So it, there, it, there is, like, an end of the game. Yes, which is a nice, refreshing change of pace, because usually, you know, uh, roguelites, there's never really an end in sight. Exactly. I beat the, the final boss, and the ending was very satisfying, but, um... There are a few little bits and pieces to pick up. There's, um, there's like a hard mode, but it's not really a hard mode. It's just one particular level has a hard mode variant. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll actually be pretty easy to get through, I think. And then there's like the in-game achievements, and there are a few of those that I'd like to pick off. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a ton of fun. I took a look at my Switch's counter for playtime and it says 50 or more hours which probably means closer to 60 because i found Woo-hoo. that that timer's way off but um mm. yeah no it's it really held my attention i played it for like pretty much a month straight which is kind of crazy to think about the last time usually it's you know i'll only play a game that long if it's like a giant rpg like dragon quest but um yep this was the little game that could. Dicey Dungeons. I know I know you picked it up, so I'll be curious yeah. to hear what you think whenever you get to it. Yeah, when I'm freed of my cacophony of my current rotation. What have you uh, been playing? Uh, nothing but Monster Hunter. <laughs> the, um... Not Monster Hunter Rise. Cause that's not not Rise. No, no, no. Rise comes out at the end of where we're recording this episode. The beginning of March... You'll probably hear it around the middle of March. But Monster Hunter Rise comes out the end of March. Correct. No, I'm still trying to finish. Big, big in quotes, finish world. Uh, I realize there is... I've hunted every single monster at least once. Now there is... Clayton. (laughs) Hi. Uh, There is one of the update monsters... I, I guess I'll call them things that are added post-launch as like a free, here's a free monster that's going to end up in the game, basically. There yep. is, there's one that's a complete pain in the bumpkiss that we kind of cheesed because there is a quest where you fight that one, but it has a lot less health, but you get the same drops from it. And so I'm debating if I want to go back and beat up that thing. But technically, from, from a technical ass point, I have hunted it at least once, so I'm not trying to think about it too much. Um, in the easiest way to describe Alatrion, all of Monster Hunter World, I will say, it hasn't really made you think too in-depth when it comes to what... El- uh, I, well, you, I should always know what element you use against a certain monster, but Alatrion has a damage check, so like you have to do a certain amount of damage or break its face at a certain part or else it has an ultimate move that you can't live through which is always uh it's always a nerve-wracking time in a game where where world hasn't really focused on these mechanics have a monster that says uh get good basically he's just really super frustrating a monster Uh, a lot of a lot of my personal hunting group is just like i don't i don't care to hunt this thing ever which is I mean, it's sad that they introduced a, a monster and then was like, has kind of, it, it felt almost like a punishment a little bit. So 
Elatrion definitely rubs some people the wrong way. But yes, uh, Fatalis is the big is the big black dragon, who is basically our 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 final boss, and he just. I think I spent from like six o'clock to maybe like after dinner to midnight fighting, trying to oh. fight Fatalis last night. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that tells me this game is not for me. <laughs> that sounds that sounds like some sort of World of Warcraft thing. Like, yeah. I, I basically, he is meant to be like the fair, like the game's farewell to. Um, is it like, it reminds me of that Final Fantasy fifteen boss, which I'm sure you know about, the, like, giant turtle <laughs> that literally the takes, Adamant, like, three the, hours. The big Adamantois fight, yeah. <laughs> As someone who hasn't played fifteen, I still know about that fight, yes. I am probably... Oh, yeah. you haven't they, played fifteen. Uh, I have not. I, I, now, I now own it for the second time. I bought it originally from a GameStop, probably within a year of launch. I, I took it out of the shrink wrap, which I shouldn't have done, and I literally never opened it up. I thought you were a, a final final fantasy. No, I am not a real fi- I'm not a real Final Fantasy fan, unfortunately. Uh, so speaking of Monster Hunter, did you see that their uh, uh, Super Smash Bros. presentation for Pyron Mithra, and they revealed? A Monster Hunter me costume. Ah, <gasps> dun dun dun. Yes, there were. I think all of them were. No, there were, sorry, there was a a, a a ghouls and goblins one, but I think the rest yeah. were Monster Hunter. There was. Yes, I I haven't booted up Smash since the announcement, but I do want to buy the armor of the. I'm gonna buy all the armor for the me fighters, definitely. Yeah. But that that could have that pretty much deconfirms a monster hunter. Oh, that's in. true. Uh, yeah, for going by Geno logic. <laughs> yeah, we we do know yeah. that spirits don't deconfirm because Pyra and Mithra, or maybe just Pyra, were also spirits. But I don't think any me fighters costumes have made the uh, the comeback from the shadow realm. I don't think so. Yeah, Gino was Gino. I think Gino was the prolific one. <laughs> My boy. I'm just kidding. I don't really Puppet. care about Gino, but I think it would be <laughs> cool if he got in. Yeah, I, I do. I do really like the character Gino. I don't have. I don't know. Ultimate is very much determined, or maybe reconfigured, or reconfirmed. Actually, how I feel about Smash predictions, especially after I would say it's with Ultimate. It's like everybody's here. And then including characters like Joker, Minecraft Steve, Sephiroth. It's very much a anyone is on the table. Yeah, it's gotten to the point where there have been so many surprise um, picks that now it's not even surprising anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of expect, oh, okay, that's fair. It'll be something you never heard about. Or, you know, oh, I didn't expect this character. Oh, and then, you know, repeat that several more times at this point because we're we 10 dlc fighters deep uh nine there are two left yes two left though which i yeah i don't really know who i want i mean i do know who i want my sword and smash my number one oh well 
Let's not get on that subject. <laughs> we'll save that for a game quarter where we have absolutely nothing to talk about. <laughs> yeah. My number one pick uh, has always been Paper Mario, RIP, but I've accepted that I don't think he's going to get in. So I don't care. Nothing matters anymore. <laughs> uh, I, do, I do think it would be cool to get um, a new uh, Gen 8 Pokemon because there are a lot of cool ones in there, but I, I am aware that using one of the last two DLC slots on a Pokemon might be a little underwhelming, so... Yeah. As soon as you said Gen 8 Pokemon, I was like, ooh, I would like it if the Gen 8 Pokemon was this slot, and we push Pira and uh, Pira and Mithra back one. I'm not sure how Pokemon one of the last two would also pan out, yeah. Yeah, it's like how the first pass ended with Byleth, and everyone was really pissed off. <laughs> people people <laughs> yelled that they got another Fire Emblem character, and I laughed. People said they got another Sword Wielder, and I laughed. <laughs> There's actually a really good video about that. Um by Schaeferless Productions, mm -hmm. uh, who's a pretty good YouTuber. He does a lot of... He's mostly, like, animation-focused, but he'll do a Smash video every now and then. And okay. Yeah, he did that exact topic of, like, Fire Emblems and Smash, and are there too many? And most it was mostly yeah. about the Byleth reveal, so check yeah, it out. Yeah, I, I don't think... Well, hold up. Martha, I, did it, did. I do think there are a lot of Fire Emblem characters... I think the unfortunate thing is they are mostly sword wielders, so they feel very, very old and very, very samey. So yeah. it's like, uh, that's where the, I feel, the another Fire Emblem character kind of comes into play. Yeah, but you get who you get. Quit your belly aching. All right. I think that's it's been a very verbose discussion of the game corner, so why don't we make one more quick pit stop and the Disney Corner, where we'll be talking about Aladdin before we talk about uh, Agrabah and Kingdom Hearts. I did watch Aladdin. <laughs> I know last time I was like, I'm not gonna watch Hercules. What do you think I am? I, uh, and I, I mean, I did say I did want to save Herc for when we revisit Olympus Coliseum, and there's actually a story, but yeah, yes. I'm, I'm holding you to that. I, I I will do that, definitely. Don't worry. <laughs> so, Aladdin uh, needs no introduction. I think it's definitely on most people's probably top fives of, you know, nostalgic Disney. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can say it's definitely... It was probably my favorite Disney movie growing up. I was, I was pretty into it. I, I had, like, a little Aladdin. It's probably just, like, a McDonald's toy. But I still loved it, and I I love the movie. I watch it all the time at my babysitters. Uh, okay. I've loved the Super Nintendo game. Ah, that's a classic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although it's one of those where like the Sega and the Super Nintendo versions are different, and apparently a lot of people say the Sega version is better, but I'm not sure about that. I was a pretty big fan of Aladdin, um, but then the last time I watched it before this one. Was a few mm -hmm. years ago, I was less enchanted, shall we say. I, I realized that most of the movie is pretty much just Robin Williams doing his whole shtick. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was kind of distracting, but now after growing up a little bit more and watching it um, just last night, um, 
yeah, no, it's it's pretty solid. It's a fun time for sure. And Aladdin is way more likable as a protagonist than Hercules. So really, the it's you got the whole package. The music's great. The art's great. Uh, the characters are tons of fun. So got your action, your romance, your comedy, your adventure. It's it's just a good time. Yep, I would. This is the first time I've rewatched it probably in about ten years. And I mean, Aladdin is enjoyable. That's I think undisputed. I was trying to you know go go with my uh, my without my nostalgia glasses and just kind of scan everything. It might be because it's on Disney Plus, but I think it. I don't remember Aladdin looking this good, and that may just be due to the fact that it might be like an upscaled version of the film. Mm-hmm. But it looks really really clean. And I was yes. like this. This movie came out before we were born. Is this... Yeah. Has it always been like this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was kind of nice to have. Even the, um... There's, like, a lot of CG bits, which I think might be the first time... Nope. The Great Mouse Detective is the first uh, CG in a Disney animated movie. But, um, yeah, even that in Aladdin, it all looks pretty, you know... It's it's not distracting, because, <laughs> you know, usually when you see old CG, it's like, oh, God, put a paper bag over it. I'm trying to think, where is uh, where is CG? I didn't notice anything, or I don't remember anything. Pretty much all the Cave of Wonder stuff, so the light, the tiger head, like, that's all CG. Uh, I was and about to then, say, I can, I can think of the head, but... Yeah, and then, like, the magic carpet escape sequence, um, most of that's in CG, like, the 3D environment. Oh, Kurt, yeah, you're right. Yeah, like, there's that, like, first-person shot where it's, like, flying down to, like, the door at the very bottom, and there's, like, a giant wall. Um, That's all CG. It looks very, like, (laughs) uh, CD-ROM (laughs) game-esque. I would say I enjoyed it. There is one thing I will ask you. I mean, it's, well, two things, actually. Robin Robin Williams' genie absolutely steals the show. Yep. When I was growing like up, ham yeah, it up yes. for the camera and break the fourth wall. <laughs> exactly. So all of his like early nineties, like or like like eighties celebrity impressions. <laughs> how do you feel about those? Because growing up, I was growing up as a kid. You don't know who he's impersonating whatsoever. Just oh, he looks different. Oh, he do a funny voice. Yeah, most of them I still don't really know. <laughs> me, ne- I mean, me neither. I'm thinking specifically of when he like explains the rules of the lamp and he does that one face where it's like a buck tooth guy and he talks in like a very like technical way. But um, I will say the funniest line in the movie is when he's playing chess with uh, the carpet and then he does the Roddy Dangerfield impression of, huh, I'm losing to a rug. <laughs> yep. That's good stuff. I'd be more curious to hear what kids today have to think about all that, because they probably have zero frame of reference for any of that stuff. <laughs> yes. I mean, we probably had, like, a mild frame of reference, but kid, but I imagine yeah. my kids growing up today would be like, the youth! <laughs> all we have to do with them. I think that's why the last time I watched it, I wasn't as big on it, because it does really date the movie in a way I feel like they didn't really need to. Like, they just kind of let him kind of run off with it, and then they animated around him. Exactly, yeah. those parts are like, eh. I think it lends to Genie, but takes away from the movie. 
with Robin Williams doing his kind of random impressions and then going yep. back and just adding whatever proper animations, basically. Because he, he twists, he's meant to be this character who's otherworldly, he twists and turns and transforms and all this stuff. And it feels out of place for Agrabah as a whole, but for Genie, it kind of makes sense. So it is kind of this odd balance. Yeah, and I, I do think there is a balance, because um, mm-hmm. he's he's not in it quite as much as I remember. Um, no, same, yeah. He'll spend a lot of scenes just like kind of in the lamp, which is kind of interesting, because other scenes he isn't. He'll just kind of pop out, but then when you need him, you got to rub the lamp, so that's kind of inconsistent. But um, yeah, like there's enough going on with everything else where it's not like Genie's kind of the main focus. So mm-hmm. I still think they could have dialed it down a bit but he's still a ton of fun yeah I pro- he's probably most people's favorite part of the movie oh 100 percent, 100 percent. small second question uh let's take genie out of the mix do you have a favorite character that's not genie obviously because genie is everybody's favorite character um um hmm well shout outs to carpet for just being a carpet but being animated yep. so endearing that like <laughs> you you want your own pet carpet although i do think it's funny how uh they gender a carpet <laughs> they, i did notice that i was like genie does genie just call carpet a he uh, that kind of stuck out to me at this point like, <laughs> yeah but um aside from them uh probably a yago who has similar genie energy of just being you know a 90s comedian kind of just being really larger than life compared Gilbert to all the other characters. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think my other favorite line is when uh, they're in, like, the secret lair and Jafar just kind of starts cackling maniacally and Yago's just like, oh, boy, he's mm-hmm. cracked. Like, I, I I say that quote to myself at least once a week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's funny because I, I, I watched the third ha- third act this morning. I, I saw that. That was probably the, the, within the first five minutes of me starting up the movie this morning nice <laughs> yeah what about what about you who's your second you spoke about my boy my boy carpet i tend to really like the characters that tend to either not speak i was i'll say common or english whatever like the preferred language is sometimes like a carpet they're amorphous mm-hmm. i think of uh, maximus from tangled a lot yeah like pegasus from hercules mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. the characters that cannot speak, so you, they must convey emotions another way. Abu kind of treads the line because Abu can he has he has his yeah yeah he has his cartoon eccentricities, but also can kind of speak, and Aladdin can yeah. kind of basically understand him. <laughs> totally, but I do love me some carpet. Yeah, I was also surprised how well not surprised, but I I appreciated how Jasmine is written. Um, because that was Definitely. the thing with the last time I watched it, where I was like, Jasmine's kind of like, eh? But she's she's very feisty, but she knows what she wants. And she stands up for herself. And also, she yes. has really great face reacts.png. <laughs> <laughs> or she'll just go, like, long in the face, and her eyes just kind of, like, shrink. <laughs> there are a lot of, like, turn... I remember, I remember a lot of, like, a... Especially when it deals with the, all the princes. When I say all of them, there's like literally two in the movie. But a lot of yeah. the times, the absurdity of the situation, she'll do a lot of head turn, eyebrow raise. Oh, absolutely. Ooh. 
Yeah. <laughs> Iconic. So, obviously she's the only human female, but I always thought Raja was also a female, but then um, Jafar says um, something like, stay down, boy, when he turns Raja into a little kitten. And I, yes. I, is that just Jafar being insulting Raja, or is she... Is she actually a male tiger? It's it says his. I'm looking up right now, so yeah. I'd be I very feel disappointed. Like I, fe- <laughs> I I felt the same way. I think growing up, I always assumed Raja was female, and this time, I probably just got I got I'll I'll, be, I'll, I'll say these words, these accursed words. He Raja gave me Tony the Tiger vibes, so I was like, okay, I don't know <laughs> if it's a boy or a girl. Another ambiguous big cat in the Disney canon. It's just a bore. Well, I don't care. I'm still going to think of Raja as a girl. Because, yeah, this movie definitely needs more female characters. Definitely. It's a little bit shorter than I remember. There are some parts that do feel rushed, but I think that's just me thinking the movie was longer. Yeah, I actually think it's a really solid length. I think one of the coolest things this movie does is is when they quote-unquote beat the bad guy, Jafar. There's probably at least like 30 minutes left. And then there's kind of that period where Aladdin's in the palace and things seem to be going all right, but actually they're not because he's still lying. Yes. So I like how there's kind of like that like post-conflict where, mm-hmm. you know, that's where most of the actual climax takes place. Um, I think that kind of makes the movie feel a little bit longer. Like it's, there's like yeah. more story, but it definitely doesn't feel too long, like you said. Yeah. I was actually, I was more surprised of the literal timeline of, it takes place over less than three days, because there's a line three days, in the beginning yeah. where Jasmine needs to get married before her birthday in three days, and then she gets married at the end, so we can assume that's her birthday. That was kind of interesting to, like, actually pay attention to the timeline. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy the theme, and I think this was, t- this was adapted for Aladdin. The theme of not being yourself, quite literally. I believe mm-hmm. in the original Aladdin story. He w- you know, wishes to be a prince. There's no, there's no, there's like empty resolution. I'll say that. Like there is no repercussion for masquerading as somebody else. Right. Where this movie literally flips that on its head and says, no, 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 no. You're, you're going to be paying for pretending to be someone that you're not or trying to fit in yeah. where you think you wouldn't. My, I guess that does predict my one gripe. Uh, Aladdin is like, once he becomes Prince Ali, he is like, you had a romantic encounter with Jasmine, and he's like, mm, yep. but she could never love me. Yeah, I had the same exact thought, where like, you literally met her, and she thought that you were just, you know, a quote-unquote street rat. So like, she already cared about you, and you knew that. <laughs> Correct, yes. So now why are you so worried about, oh, like, how could she ever love me? Yeah, I totally agree mm. with you. <laughs> yes, that, that was the big... I think that's a big, like, but besides that. Also, I think this movie is literally, how many times can we fit the word street rat into a hundred, into into an hour and 20 minute runtime? (laughs) I mentioned during Hercules that I won't say I'm in love is my vote for best Disney movie, but Whole New World is very much a close second. It's Mm. just a classic song for a classic love story and. It's just so good, yes. except for that horrible part where it just cuts to a bird screeching. <laughs> it just completely ruins the mood. I don't know why <laughs> they had that in there. Because <laughs> they could. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty terrible. 
I have more to say about Aladdin, but I think I'll save it for Agrabah Kingdom Hearts 2. I will say that I think there is more to mine from Aladdin, even though it's probably one of the most common worlds in Kingdom Hearts, but I feel like... Yeah. Much like Olympus Coliseum, it's always had a very narrow focus. Definitely. Yeah, so with all that being said, let's 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 take a look at where Kingdom Hearts 1 delves. Uh, Before we get to the actual world, when you're on your way to the gummy ship, uh, you have to take a warp hole to get there, which is cool in theory, but I've always been confused by the warp holes after that, because they'll just show up randomly when you're trying to go to other worlds, and it's like, okay, do I need to take this? Do I not? It's it's like merging onto a highway or, like, missing your exit. <laughs> no one's letting me on! But, yeah, you take the warp hole, and then you get the little gummy ship theme, um, uh, I guess, reprise, or, you know, version two. Uh, so that's kind of a nice way to signify, ooh, like, this is somewhere new. It's basically, it, I mean, it literally is a new area, yeah. Yeah, and I remember the first time I was playing through, I remember just the excitement of seeing Agrabah as a world, because, again, you didn't, you didn't know uh, which world was going to show up when. Um, so, yeah, it felt very new, because I had, like, playing with my friend, I think we would probably just play through the first few worlds just, like, a ton and, like, not really make yep. progress. So, like, actually seeing a new world that's Agrabah was, like, mind-blowing. Like, wait, what? Aladdin? I love that movie. Aladdin. Again, nice touch of Kingdom Hearts. of just kind of adding in those little moments of surprise. Mm-hmm. Although I do think it's funny how the world icon is, like, 60% <laughs> of the palace. And, like, you can't even remotely go anywhere near that. So, <laughs> yeah, seems seems a little uh, misleading. You're good enough. Well, I mean, you go to the front gate, but that's literally it. Yep, once we disembark, uh, right off the bat, we get a cutscene with Jafar and Maleficent. So, you know things are yes. getting real. During this first section of the game, or this next section, is when the, the League of Villains really come into the forefront. Pretty yep. much every world after this, you're going to get some sort of interaction with them, or cutscene with them. Yeah, we got the, our sprinkles, but now we're going to dive into a lot of what they're going to be interacting with. Yeah, so... Basically, they're chatting about their evil schemes, and then... Skip, 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 skip. Maleficent has... She has a classic sort of bad guy line about, Oh, be careful. Don't rely too heavily on the darkness. And what is she talking about? Like, is that not exactly what she's doing? Like, is she trying to say she uses darkness in moderation? And she's using diet darkness right now. (laughs) She's watching her figure. Yeah, like, she's, like, shaming everyone else for relying on the heartless when like you're the one who started all this what are you talking about (laughs) exactly i think it's funny how in this cutscene just seeing maleficent in the same scene as iago (laughs) what a match made in heaven they're just so completely different tonally but he doesn't really talk after he shows up he just kind of reports to jafar and then after that he kind of you know uh yeah takes this place his only voice his only voice line he has a in i mean in two he talks a lot more but in one i think he's jafar i've looked everywhere for jasmine <laughs> i think he has one more in a cutscene. i can't remember off the top of my head but i do remember when i was playing it i was like oh i forgot he said that and then obviously during <laughs> yeah. the fight he has more 
like battle quotes, but yeah, he doesn't chat a lot, which is surprising because they did get Gilbert Gottfried back to do all f- what two three lines he may have. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's just funny to me how like um, have you ever seen Venture Bros? Yes. So like you know how in like that universe henchmen are kind of like kind of like portrayed as like the kids of the villains or at the mm-hmm. very least like they're kind of like an embarrassment like they like cramp your style. <laughs> Exactly. So I'm just imagining the League of Villains having, like, a little kitty corner for, like, Yago and Smee and the Eels and, like, a little tank <laughs> and, like, Lock, Shock, and Barrel, and they're all just kind of mingling. <laughs> and Melissa's like, ugh, this is why I don't do minions. <laughs> so hard to get good help these days. But, um, yeah, we see in this cutscene that we kind of touched on it earlier, but, yeah, Jafar is... Totally all in on this princess heist. He's he's all for it. He's super psyched. He's not even... I don't even really think he mentions, like, taking over Agrabah or becoming Sultan, which is obviously a very heavy departure from the movie plot. But yeah, he definitely reaffirms his, again, second-in-command sort of status. Yeah. Nice cutscene to kind of set the stakes. We know that Jasmine is a target, so we gonna save her. Good try. So after that, basically thrown into it, we can start playing. I was about to say, you you really get thrown into it. You take two steps and bandage Yeah, up. yeah. Yeah, like immediately the heart of Superior, which I, I, th- I like that kind of touch. Like, I feel like every world kind of has a different way of, like, introducing itself. So we mentioned how in Deep Jungle, you're separate from your party. Um, and yeah, this one just immediately heartless. Like, again, I feel like it's kind of like the game being like, all right, you you know what you're doing now. You're in the uh, the big boy section of the pool, so... Have at yep. you. Here's a bunch of Heartless. You know what this game's about. Have fun. We pretty much have all of Agrabah to explore. Um, there are a few parts sort of locked off, but um, yeah, this first whole chunk of the world is very much about exploring, which I actually really like, because yeah, there's all sorts of different branching paths and rooms to go, and, and um, you know, different entrances that lead to different areas of each room. It's very, like, playground-esque i would say so i had fun exploring it although i can definitely see how some people might not like it (laughs) i know a pretty common complaint about kingdom hearts one world design is the rooms are very boxy and i think aside from wonderland which is literally Mm. a box (laughs) i think agrabah is probably the worst offender of that yeah specifically the city because we're really inside the city walls yeah they are they they hella boxy. Yeah, definitely. It's not very natural for, you know, the Agrabah you see in the movie, which is much more, like, lively and bustling and all sorts of architecture. Obviously, you know, limitations of the hardware, but mm-hmm. it is very much a different Agrabah. But, again, I, I still think it's fun to kind of poke around and explore. I also really like how, I guess you could say this world's gimmick is the different keyholes around Agrabah that'll unlock the different gates, which I think is just cool to actually have something to, you know, stick your big old key in. (laughs) But yeah, I notice pretty much all the treasures that you can find uh, during this first stretch are pretty much just, you know, potions, mega potions, mega ethers, and do do you even use any of these items? I try to conserve them but not really, to be honest with you. And I guess I'll I'll turn the question back to you about proud mode. But if I'm using an item 
that means I'm like in a very desperate situation. Like most of the time, yes. I tend to cure. I'll be fine. Cure here. I'll be fine. If it's a specifically magic fight or if magic is very useful, I'll pop an ether or something. But I tend to have like what two potions, two ethers at this point in the game, and maybe like a high potion on me. I'm trying not to use my mega stuff, but I also tend not to use items whatsoever right now. So that's just my playstyle right now. Yeah, if I know there's like a tough, uh, tough fight ahead, which there are two in this world, then I'll kind of stock up. But yeah, usually I don't really have to use them. I definitely never use any sort of mega items because when is the right time to use them? Because you'll never really be in a spot where all three party members are really low on one thing. Yeah. So it's like, you know, what's the opportune moment to use this theoretically really good item? So yeah. That stresses me out. <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll flip the script and say mega items are useful but thinking of my main use of mega items tends to be in post-game content, which that we'll get to when we get there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I feel like that's the only time I ever use the megas. So yeah, you can't explore, but the rewards aren't too exciting, at least during that, the city portion. Once you kind of get your bearings and unlock a few keyholes and whatnot, you will eventually make your way to meeting Jasmine. And I'm very curious what the timeline is here. So, Jasmine explains that, in very vague terms for some reason, she'll mention, but he saved me. And she's talking about Aladdin. From what we learned from yeah. her, uh, Aladdin rescued her from something. I guess the heartless? Question mark? Could be. And then he's like, all right, you stay here. I'll go home. <laughs> and then he just leaves her to go to the Cape of Wonders, which... Was he asked by Jafar to go there? Because that's how it happens in the movie. But yeah. by the time we see Jafar, he's obviously very hostile. So I can't really imagine this Jafar being trustworthy for Aladdin. Mm -hmm. I th I would feel like yeah, this movie watch watching rewatching Aladdin, I should say, was a wake up call to the changes in the actual story compared to the, yeah. this version, Cage One, definitely. I feel like. From the beginning, it feels like Jasmine just automatically distrusts Jafar. Like, she sees him as a villain. Yeah. I, I would just, I think I would replace the guards capturing Aladdin to maybe the Heartless attacking. And that kind of makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. To harken back to Aladdin, Jafar uses his scepter to control the Sultan. Mm -hmm. And I just, it's one of those, the villain is overpowered. Why, why, why aren't they in control yet? So it is kind of funny to see Jafar manipulating the Sultan in the movie. But here, he just roams the streets being like, fight me! Come at me! Yeah, he's a little more hands-on in Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's just kind of an interesting point to me. of Like, why would Aladdin just leave her in the streets when, you know, there's all this crazy stuff happening? But we get a Jafar appearance, and he basically tells us to F off. <laughs> and, um... Yep. And then from there, I guess you just got to figure out, all right, let's go to the desert now. Uh, there is a cutscene earlier where you'll free Carpet from Aladdin's house. But now that I think about it, that raises another question of how is tar is Carpet out and about if Aladdin already... It's like if Aladdin just got the lamp. Yes. Ugh, the time like is so confusing. Like if he's just at the Cave of Wonders and just doing that. Why, why does Carpet exist? And I, uh, If you go to Aladdin's house, does do you even see Carpet? Like, is there even a cutscene of, like, showing it stuck under 
the yeah, yeah, table it's like or... Yeah, it's trapped under it, and you have to specifically interact with it to uh, move it yeah. and set him free. I feel like they didn't really think through the whole plot, necessarily, <laughs> so much as just wanting to like get in all the recognizable characters, which, yeah, you know, you know it's it. fine. I don't want them to like get too bogged down by like setting everything up, but it is interesting to think, of, think about like watching the movie so close to replaying it of, like, wait a minute, some things aren't adding up here. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we will make our way to the desert, but um, before we uh, meet Aladdin, uh, we've got some new Heartless to talk about. You do. The first new Heartless to meet are the Bandits, which are pretty much just soldiers, but in the desert. <laughs> what do we think of their design? I mean, I think the design's pretty simple. It works. They are a, a soldier variant or a soldier upgrade, if you will. And we see them, it's very interesting to see their design because we see them a lot even outside of Agrabah later on. Or maybe not a lot, but a good amount. Yeah. They're a good staple, I think, of not too hard, but not too soft because they have a lot of blade swinging moves that will catch you off guard. I actually think they lean a little more toward the top side. But again, Mm -hmm. I am playing on proud. But yeah, the, um, the spinning sword launch attack, basically, that can be super deadly. Because they'll just okay. come at you out of nowhere. But also, I think they're the first Heartless that'll actually deflect your attacks, really. Aside from um, uh, large bodies, but that's a little different. Before they're barely, yeah. They really have, like, a deflect stance that they'll yeah. take out. So they, they hit pretty hard. Uh, so you definitely want to be mindful of them. And also, they have an easily missed move where they'll basically use Dig. <laughs> and then kind of burst out of the sand. And you never really see it, because I think they only use it in that one specific area right outside the Cave of Wonders. I Yeah, I want to say so. Yeah, like, it's it's like an actual attack, but you see it so infrequently. <laughs> so that's kind of weird that they went through the effort of programming that, and then they don't really <laughs> use it anywhere else. But I do think that's a cool touch of, like, you know, the sand heartless. But yeah, other than that, the design itself is pretty standard. Uh, they got a turban on and a vest. It works! And a sortie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they have their big brothers, the the large-boned bandit, <laughs> which is essentially a fat band or a large body. Large body. <laughs> uh, but fire! They're interesting. Um, they're another one that shows up pretty common. But um, mm-hmm. I think they're pretty fun to fight. So I kind of took a took a note from your book about deflecting, and this time around, I was trying to deflect their fireballs instead of dodging them, mm-hmm. and that was actually really fun to land the hits because yes, it's pretty precise timing. Satisfying. Can, yeah, like once you nail it, you're like, oh man, so good, and then they go flying back, and you're like, ah, oh, I'm the best. <laughs> yeah, they're really they're really really fun to fight. Uh, especially compared to like the normal large bodies they have very similar moves but the fire touches i think are very fun if you know because most of the time it's i shouldn't say most of the time when you're younger i should say it's like all right fireball i gotta run away or dodge roll i know when fire breath is coming but then kind of knowing how to counter or interact with those attacks Mm -hmm. i think is really really fun like deflecting the fireballs i had this a lot in uh, Olympus, but not here because of literally the spaces that we have. But a lot of times I'd be locked onto one of multiple fat bandits and I would deflect an attack and it would go at the one that I have locked on. So I would just like deflect every attack and maybe the third fireball would go back at the original, but the other two may go off and hit like 
other things I currently have locked on right now. Mm-hmm. I do like the fact that uh, you can interrupt. If you, if you can get a combo off, you can interrupt their fire breath. If you use Blizzard on them at the precise moment, yeah, you'll interrupt uh, the fire breath. And it's a very satisfying animation where it looks like they like like swallow their tongue. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're just like stuttering and like... So yeah, interesting fact about them. Uh, despite what you might assume based on other elemental enemies... Uh, you can actually shoot fire at the fire, the fat bandits, and it'll actually. No, <gasps> yeah, you would think that it would just heal them, but no, they're they are susceptible to it. I guess they're more they're more fat than fire. <laughs> yeah, so to do they still take damage from fire? Is it normal or is it reduced at all? I'm not really sure how to gauge if it would be reduced. Um, give me two seconds and I'll find out, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I didn't do a ton, but also keep in mind, um, you still have basic fire throughout this world. But it's, it's a good way to um, pick them off, especially in the Cave of Wonders section, because they can get in spots where you don't really want to get behind them because you might fall. So yeah, just a handy way to uh, chisel down their last few HP. Fire is neutral. Okay. All right. Interesting interesting and then the final new heartless at least space heartless is uh the good old pot spider <laughs> it's a spider and a pot and there are a lot of them just hot in plain sight because apparently yeah. uh is the uh the cornerstone of the pot trading industry it sounds about right uh link would love it here but yeah <laughs> I, do, I do like the the pot spiders hiding in plain sight they appear in the weirdest, uh, like most unfortunate place. Like, oh, I have just, I've just traversed three rooftops. I'm on this single platform. Potspire is like, hey, what if yeah. I knock you off, though? <laughs> yeah. So similar to the um the tea party in Wonderland, uh, do you know if the pot spiders will just appear randomly, or do they have set positions of which pots are normal and which ones are uh, spiders? I believe there are set positions for the pot spiders. Yeah, like I, there's like that one chest on a really high platform in the first area of Agrabah with two spot pots next to it. And I feel like that one always has spiders. Yeah, I feel I like they, they, they are, yeah, they're, 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 I think they're definitely, like this pot will always be a pot spider. This pot will always be a regular pot. <laughs> Got it. They're pretty basic design, but I think they're pretty fun to fight, mostly owing to the sound designs really good on them. They're very clunky. <laughs> yeah, they make they make a very satisfying attack when you or sound when you uh, you attack them. Yeah, uh, it's like a nice plop. They only drop money as well. Oh well, yeah, true. So, all right, moving through the story, we take carpet across the desert. We meet Aladdin, and in classic Aladdin fashion, he's stuck in some sinking sand, some quicksand again, as always. Yeah, I don't know why that happens slash how, but I guess it's just a way to put the gang in danger. So you gotta fight off some bandits. Afterwards, you get the cutscene of the genie. And for some reason, Aladdin thinks, you know what, let me burn an entire wish on just wishing these easily disposable heartless away. Mm-hmm. It's, well, we know it's purely there to replicate the wish to escape from the cave from the movie, but still. But that's not actually a wish. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because that's that's the fake out. Mm-hmm. But I guess well, I guess it is a suitable. It, I mean, it really does pull from the movie because uh, in the movie Aladdin's uh, the first wish is to become a prince. The second is 
well, basically Genie rescuing him. So this, it yeah, could I'm... be seen as moving the rescue to the first wish, because we're not going to get to the prince. But yeah, I think, I it's think more that's of... more parallel. Yeah. But, again, another nice little diversion from the movie doesn't exactly replicate the plot. I do think it's interesting, though, how the way Aladdin talks to Genie kind of suggests that they're already familiar with each other. Because mm-hmm. he already knows the whole Three Wishes deal. He knows who Genie is. He's just, like, right out the gate, like, Genie, get rid of these guys. So, again, it makes you wonder, like, how long has he had the lamp? Because it seems like they've already kind of introduced themselves to each other and are already familiar with each other. So Yeah. I feel like, well, I feel like, especially in the movie, pretty early on, they establish a camaraderie. Blah. Yes. But that's after he makes his first wish. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, how much time have they been dilly-dallying between Aladdin getting the lamp and making his first wish? Mm -hmm. Like, it kind of feels like post-movie, like, the way they interact. Because, yeah, they already have all the formalities out of the way. Yeah. But it's neither here nor there. Because we have our new party member, Aladdin. So in terms of, you know, usefulness, I feel like Aladdin's very similar to Tarzan, but actually yep. less useful because he doesn't really have any um support moves. Yeah, he doesn't have any of the spells' abilities. His fighting style is very similar to um Tarzan, though. They're, they're pretty similar in terms of, like, their physical attacks. Like, Tarzan has his bull, his boar rush, Aladdin... Maybe Sandrush, maybe something else, but he just kind of, he does the bandit thing of just running forward and swing, swing, swung, sword. Yeah, this is his most useful move. Honestly, I don't think I used Aladdin outside of returning to Agrabah. <laughs> yeah, he's just kind of there. <laughs> uh, I mean, not to say he's a bad party member, because there are, I think there are other more questionable party members throughout the franchise. But especially right now, I think it really depends. But I, I also, that is the curse it's the it's the curse of knowledge of when <laughs> trinity marks are going to be coming up so i usually just carry around oh, donald and goofy until i know i've gotten all the trinities then i'm like mm, do i care to switch off my character eh, maybe maybe not gotcha but i i feel that that's a mood for sure yeah i guess aladdin is kind of like he has all the jackpots so if you want to grind for money he'd be good to have in your party which Trinch. i think it's kind of like a clever little touch to his character mm-hmm. but i mean it's not really useful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, we do find a good amount of characters in Agrabah, but I feel like that's more of like, here's part, here's not like a true benefit to Aladdin. It's more of like a, eh, well, you get a little something, 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 maybe. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, story-wise, I feel like this is a totally watered-down Aladdin. He's really boring, actually. Like, he doesn't have any of the charm from, you know... Aladdin proper, he doesn't have, like, the wit. Which is surprising, because it's actually the same voice actor. Yep. Whose name I don't remember, but he's famous for playing Steve on Full House. DJ <laughs> boyfriend. Kind of disappointing that he just doesn't have as much personality as he does in the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I feel like, aside from Tarzan, who, you know, is kind of mute, I feel like he's the most, quote-unquote, straight man of all your party members. Like, he he's very, like, plain. Mm-hmm. Aladdin just, for the most part, kind of just exists in this iteration, yeah. Yeah, like, his all of his motivation is saving Jasmine, which puts him in this state where he's either really angry or impatient because he's worried about her, or he just doesn't really 
care about whatever else is going on. Yeah. You, you do get the whole making the pact to free Genie with the final wish. But again, that kind of, by the end of the story, it kind of ends up tying back to uh, freeing or saving Jasmine, because then it's kind of like he uses his wish to free Genie instead of saving Jasmine, which it's it's very sweet. It's a nice sort of character arc for him. But um, yeah, he's just po-faced is the word I would use. Hmm. I guess, yeah, I can get behind that. <sighs> he's very watered down, and I wonder if that's just the way it was written. I mean, I mean literally, they write this game from, well, from scratch and, you know, incorporate whatever elements they want, but... Is there a way to make a... Is there a way to sort of show Aladdin's movie traits? I mean, the character's literal traits, but in this action RPG. I would say, thinking about a future, he doesn't... He never really gets the same time in the spotlight or the same charm as he does from the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking about it, so... Now I'm wondering if it's coming from just... If it's just like the translation from film to game, or is there a world, or is there a way to sort of implement and be able to showcase Aladdin's personality. I think so, because I feel like all the other party members, at least in Kingdom Hearts 1, they they capture their personality pretty well. Yeah. But for some reason, Aladdin got the short end of the stick in terms of the adaptation. Yep. Definitely. So along with Aladdin, we also get Genie's whole scene. You know, he tries to do Genie things, but... um. Genie is voiced by Dan Castellaneta of Homer Simpson fame, who also voices Genie in the the TV show and basically anywhere else uh, besides the movie. Besides, besides uh, <laughs> Aladdin three, the King of Thieves. Yeah, exactly. There, there you go. There's Aladdin. There's the Aladdin three reference. We did it. Woo! Yeah, they they hoodwinked Robin Williams back into that one somehow. Yes. So I had Aladdin the King of Thieves as a kid. And so funny how, like, literally, they had to emphasize they got Robin Williams back. Because the title, like, on the box art, it says, Aladdin the King of Thieves, featuring Robin Williams. So the trilogy is Aladdin, Aladdin, Return of Jafar, Aladdin, Return of Robin Williams. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Quick little fun fact, Return of Jafar, well, it serves as the pilot to the Aladdin animated show, but it's also the first direct-to-home Disney... That's where it all started. It's where the monstrosities began. (laughs) Thus cementing Jafar as the most evil Disney villain. So, yeah, what do you think of Castellani? As a kid, I couldn't tell you the difference between Robin Williams and Dan Castanella. Now now it's not even night and day. I think he does does a good uh, backup to Robin Williams. You done good, Danny boy. Yeah, I would say he's like Robin Williams 0.75. He doesn't really... Fully capture Robin Williams, but he is a he is a damn near backup impression essentially. Yeah, he's definitely a good fit. I think he suffers more from the writing in Kingdom Hearts, anyways. Mm-hmm. It feels very much like Diet Genie dialogue. Yeah, I also realize how many how many direct quotes we get from the movie from into the game. Actually, I I, I kind of forgot that phenomenal cosmic power, but itty bitty living space was yep. from the movie yeah they like find ways to kind of work them in but it's it's not quite like how they were said in the movie so yeah that just kind of comes off offhandedly between genie and the gang mm-hmm. so um we get back to agraba and we go to aladdin's house for a little powwow 
And this is an interesting cutscene because we find out that Genie knows what a keyhole is. Or at least he's heard of it before. Mm-hmm. Another one of those characters where there's a little bit more to their background. So much, so very much in the vein of Cheshire Cat, Genie's aware of kind of this world at large of like keyholes and hearts and light and darkness. At least in yeah. passing. So yeah, I Correct. just think that's really yeah. cool. I think it kind of makes a little bit of sense. They're both very up, essentially omnipotent uh, beings. Mm-hmm. The quote-unquote magical or characters yeah so also interesting to note is when you come back to agrabah and even before if you come back to aladdin's house you'll just randomly see the merchant and he's selling stuff yep pocket <laughs> <Talking> his wares <laughs> this is either useful but he's there yep exactly for some reason he's just squatting in aladdin's house <laughs> a perfect place to set up shop yeah yeah i don't know why they went to the effort of making a unique character model for him. But, like, yeah, he doesn't really do anything. He he literally just stands there menacingly. <laughs> it's, it's kind of unsettling. He just stares off into the distance. I don't even know if he really talks, does he? You just talk at him. Exactly, yeah. In, in this game, he, yeah. You don't really. Yeah, so it's he's very easy to miss him. Which, again, is kind of weird that they added him in. Like, they could have had him in a more visible spot. Like, they could have had him in the um, the um, the storage room where you first start off. Like, that would have made a ton of sense. But he's just randomly in Aladdin's house. I, I, I misremembered him being in the storage room. That's definitely me thinking of just the shop from Cage 2 because yep, your safe totally. point is also kind of in a storage area, basically. Yes, So I was exactly. like, where's my merchant? And I'm like, oh, he's not here. Yeah. <laughs> so after that, you're free to explore more of Agrabah, specifically... You want to unlock the gate to get to the the palace gates, but when you go into the um the side area, I forget what it's called. I think it might be like alley, but um the room with like the pit basically. You have a chance to run into some black fungi. Did you yes. see any this run? I did. I did do the black fungus. So nice. I explored a lot of Agrabah because there's some yep. things I definitely remember very well. Some things I definitely misremember. So I'm you know. I'm basically like I gotta I gotta dot all my dot all my eyes and cross my T's and look it under every nook and cranny, and yep. I, re- I really did uh, enjoy going through Agrabah a whole lot. Yeah. And by chance, I did run into the fun guys, which are not as fun as their brothers. <laughs> yeah, so you gotta watch out for these cats because they will mess you up if you're not careful. Uh, they'll mm-hmm. poison you, and then they turn invincible. I always thought that they turned into rock, but literally this exact playthrough, specifically this encounter, I finally noticed that they have a different texture to them, which kind of looked like like a Halloween Town texture at first. But then I took a closer look, mm. and I noticed that um, like their mushroom caps, they actually look like steel, and like they have rivets and like grating. Mm. So now I'm wondering, are they supposed to be metal instead? I always thought they were, they, they turned into stone. Yeah. Yeah. But if you look at um, their caps, they look, you know, kind of like robotic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think they might actually be steel. As I'm scrolling through the wiki, it does remind me they do drop valuable items upon defeating them up. And at this point in the game, and I'm not sure if it, if it increases at some point, but they give a lot of, they are paying the butt to beat up, but they deal out a tremendous amount of experience. 
Oh, I didn't notice how much they gave off. That would make if sense. If a shadow is about one, I think, right now, maybe a soldier's two or three, mm-hmm. Black Fungus dropped a 96 experience. Oh, yes, 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 that does make sense. I remember that number now. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's good. <laughs> Especially if you slap some, you know, experience boosts on you. That'd be a good way to exactly. grind. It doesn't mention if they turn into metal or stone specifically, but it does say they become invulnerable. Yeah, take a take a closer look the next time you run into one. And let me know what you I think. Will. It kind of looks like that, you know, SpongeBob texture of like the like metal buildings where there's like the different lines kind of intersecting of like squares, sort of. You'll you, you'll know yeah. what I'm talking about when you see it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take a closer look next time I fight one. Uh, that's also the area where you'll unlock the keyhole to open the gates to get to where you need to go. Take care of that business. And then make your way to run into Jafar and Jasmine. Aladdin wishes for Genie to save Jasmine. Which, again, you're mm-hmm. really burning through these wishes, kid. <laughs> <laughs> and then she falls into the pot. Which then ushers in our first stop of the uh, the boss rush, so to speak, of this world. The pot centipede. He is a character. And I'm not going to lie, I really enjoy this this boss fight can really mess you up if you aren't paying attention, but I do enjoy the fight itself. Yeah, totally. So this is one of the two uh, hard fights I mentioned earlier. Because, yeah, if you don't know what you're doing, or if you're not careful, um, you'll you'll probably end up dying. Yeah, those stingers will mess you up real good. Yeah, so this is another example of a boss that was designed around its arena, or at least designed in tandem with arena. Like, they were thinking about where you were fighting the boss, in addition to the mm. boss's actual moveset. Like, if you took the pot centipede in any other environment, like, if it was a Colosseum fight, for example, like, it wouldn't be nearly as difficult. But the fact that you have to follow it around through these really tight hallways where it's just throwing out these hitboxes with the antenna, like, really kind of changes your approach to the fight. Yeah. And it's just a nice synergy. Very clever design. Definitely. And I do like the fact that every crossword or every new entrance in Agrabah is basically a new area. But for the pot centipede fight, they say, uh, screw area transitions. Just he's going to go everywhere and nothing's off limits. You do also, much later in the game, you'll sort of reenact this area where you can kind of explore it freely. um, And Heartless will Mm -hmm. show up. So the actual fight is... It was surprisingly easy for me, because again, I'm on proud mode, so this, like I said, I stocked up on some items, fully prepared to get back to To die? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I just arrowed up and prayed to Mickey, and I got through it pretty easily. (laughs) Okay. Uh, How did did you fare, slash, what was your strategy? My strategy is always to either beat up the pot spires before they jump into the centipede's body, and when they do, just to make his body, to start mashing the the middle basically try to limit how big or or i just happen to know big try to limit how big and small that he uh he can actually get so i used to um go for that strategy taking out the pots individually but i always found that they would just respawn really quickly so it kind of felt futile yeah did you experience that Eh, not really my only one thought i guess is because i'm not sure if anything actually happens when he gets longer I don't think there's any, like, oh, I reach ten pots, and then I do an ultimate attack. I don't yeah. think there's anything like that of the sort. But Apocalypse. The... Ah, 
but uh, to me, I mean, the the biggest the biggest moves he's going to do is going to swing his antenna and his stingers at you. So yes. by minimizing the length of the body, actually, you keep the butt and the head close by, which means you keep the most dangerous parts of the monster actually very close to each other. So maybe yeah. my strategy isn't as effective as I thought. <laughs> but uh, yep, didn't really have any issues. Yeah, at least this time around. I think the main move you gotta watch out for is when they split up and then the the head starts doing the uh, uh, the merry-go-round, which just spins around and just whip anything in sight. I think that's the most. Yeah, you gotta be really panic-inducing. I do like that the 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 butt and the head just share the same HP bar, so you can target whichever yes. one because you could if they detach for instance, like one could be twenty feet that way, the other could be twenty feet the other way. There is no like, oh, I have to be at the head. You know, it's very anti-guard armor, like, uh, everything shares the same HP bar. That's actually a common trend of all the Agrabah bosses. They all have two targets that'll share the same, all but one anyway, they'll share the same H bar, HP bar. Yeah. So, yeah, you beat them, lickety-split, you get the Ray of Light, which will give you an extra MP. I'm going mage mode, so I very much appreciated that. Mm-hmm. We have our marching orders to head on back to the Cave of Wonders. One thing to note is the Cave of Wonders is different than how it appears in the movie, obviously, both inside and outside. For some reason, it has these, like, cliffs around it in Kingdom Hearts. I guess, you know, so there's, like, barriers to the fight. Like, you can't escape. But it, it is a totally mm-hmm. different vibe in my book than just being, like, you know, randomly in the desert. I don't know. I don't like the idea of it being, like, attached to a landmark like i like it just being a sand tiger that can appear anywhere really it's just like yo i gotta find this random spot in the middle of nowhere uh turn around three times and the tiger head will come out and talk to me yeah Eh, it's fine but yeah pretty much immediately we're followed up with the next i don't know would you consider this a boss fight i would consider it a boss fight okay i think this is the hardest fight of the world because it's definitely the trickiest (laughs) in terms of managing like where to focus your attacks on i can see that yeah it's definitely the most stressful for me. <laughs> so, so uh, you tell me your experience doing proud mode with this thing. So I've learned that the ultimate strategy for this guy is to alternate your attacks on either eye. So do a three-hit combo on left eye, do a three-hit combo on right eye. Because normally, I think most people would take out one eye, then focus on the other. But if you do that, once it loses one eye, it, it goes aggro, basically, and it'll it'll do different attacks, and I think it'll spawn um, f- fat bandits in addition to regular bandits. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's going to be a way worse time. So you want to gotcha. keep them at about the same HP bar. So they do, they share the same HP bar, but they do have their own health, because you will take them out at different times. Yes. But you can't see that, so that's why you just want to alternate to kind of keep them at the same health, so that you'll take them out around the same time, so... Again, Arrow is your friend in this fight. There's a lot of just random stuff coming at you, whether it's bandits flippity-flipping or the um, tiger eye beams, which are pretty much the same exact as the stealth sneaks beams. Uh-huh. Um, so just throw on Arrow as an insurance policy, basically, and then any hit you take, you can just cure off, and you'll be fine. But really, what's really the main sort of <laughs> challenge to overcome here is just... Getting on the tiger head and staying on the tiger head. If only if only Phil was here to coach you through it. Yep. So, I think I did the exact opposite thing of you during this fight. I took out one eye, then took out the other eye. 
I also uh, jumped to the tiger head and never fell off, so I basically... This fight was over pretty quickly for me. Yeah, same. I was surprised. Again, I was bracing for the worst, but yeah, I got through it pretty quickly because I'm used to, yeah, falling off the tiger head and it being a really yeah. bad time. <laughs> and and that's not to discredit the Cave of Wonders for trying very, very hard, but usually whenever he moves, I just, that that's the point where you just, you freeze up, like, don't touch anything. Yeah. Don't jump, don't attack, don't dodge. Just gonna kind of stay there. Hope you're like almost like kind of on the bridge of the nose or like in front of one of the eyes. If you're near one of the eyes, you may kind of slide off because of the 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 like the whole hitbox of the the cave head itself. But more than a few times, standing still will just benefit you better. Yep, exactly. Um, it's tricky because the eyes are kind of. Like, sometimes they'll count as an aerial target, so you'll do, like, an aerial hit where Sora kind of launches himself in the air. And then if that happens, yes. then you kind of get caught on, like, the eyebrow, and then you kind of lose mm-hmm. your footing. So that's when it's really easy to um, fall off. So, yeah, you got to be careful of, like, timing your hits, depending on, like, Definitely. how the tiger head's moving. It's really mm-hmm. just all about minding your positioning in this fight. Yeah. I got through him, again, pretty easily. I was surprised. But then we have the whole, we have the Cave of Wonders Yes. available to us. I guess you kind of wave that whole diamond in the rough rule. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Maybe it's like a gym, you know what I mean, where you kind of have your, like, your guest pass. <laughs> Maybe Aladdin swiped in Sora, Donald, and Goofy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, also, that reminds me, before we get into the Cave of Wonders, um, I love in the cutscene before... The tiger head fight uh there's a shot where it's like emerging and like the sand's flying everywhere and everyone's kind of panicking but then there's this one shot where donald's just literally like waltzing in the background like he just like wandered on set basically <laughs> <laughs> and he it's like his again it's like his little donald walk where he just doesn't care and then and the next shot he's just right next to sora it's like a very awkward cut <laughs> classic donald memes yeah <laughs> Oh, speaking of walk animations, I think there's a cutscene early on in Agrabah where it shows the group just kind of walking in to uh, when they meet Jasmine. And I love, I I don't remember if we've talked about it before, but I love uh, King Marts 1 Sora default walk. <laughs> <laughs> the like the, the Disney stroll, I guess, the jolly old herp and herp. I always read it as just like the swagger. <laughs> Like, yeah, mm-hmm. Keyblade Master coming through. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> like, he re- he really works it. Like, huh, huh, huh. He's feeling himself. Oh, definitely. So, yeah, on to the Cave of Wonders, which, to be honest, ain't that wonderful. <laughs> uh, I think it depends. I think just like Agrabah, it could be a very fun area to explore. Yes. Yeah, definitely fun to explore in terms of... You know, all the nicks and crannies and finding treasure chests. Um, I'm more referring to just the aesthetic. So really, you just have the three rooms. And then the treasure room, which is... That actually is a direct reference to the movie. But yeah, mm-hmm. other than that, it's very, you know, like, generic. I guess, you know, watching the movie, they don't really have a lot of specific locations besides the treasure room and then the, um, uh, the lamp room, which... I don't I feel like that should have been an area on Kingdom Hearts, but whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
But um, yeah, aside from that, it's just like generic cave slash temple, really. And it's just three rooms of the same background. So, you know, to me, the Cave of Wonders is like, oh, like you never know what's behind the next door. But here it's just, oh, three brown rooms. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, they're pretty generic temples, but they, they do have their a very limited uh, array of booby traps. Mm-hmm. Which I could, I see is very, I mean, it's very, it's very like Temple of Doom-esque, but I feel like it works. Yeah, I do appreciate that. I actually had this really cool emergent gameplay moment where I was fighting a fight bandit and then I, um, I hit him on the track for the falling rock and then it totally collided with him and then it just pushes him along, but then it keeps hitting him and it keeps taking off health. <laughs> so basically like... Yeah, he got taken out by the rock, and that was pretty cool, because I don't think that's ever happened to me before. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I like had to finish him off with some fire, but still, it was really like, ah, ha, ha, ha. You need to mind your footing. Okay. So, yeah, the little traps and stuff are definitely a nice touch. I guess, like I said, I wish the visual design was just a little more interesting. True. So there are... All three rooms have pretty traps. So I'll I'll tell you my strategy to get through the Cave of Wonders. Clear room one, and then jump down and mess around in the basement until I get everything in the basement. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I like to do it all in one go. Um, although, it's, to this day, it still confuses me, like, the order of operations and what you can and can't do. So I always forget there's that one chest in, might be the Silent Chamber, but it's, like, across the water on, like, a little rock yep. base. And you feel like you could just barely jump to reach it if you do, you know, the Keyblade swipe. So I was trying that for probably at least three minutes. And I kept, like, almost getting it to where, like, Sora would, like, just barely whiff the edge. But, like, he would make contact yeah. with it and then fall. So it was, like, driving me crazy. But I always forget one of the puzzles up top is you can push... um a block that'll then fall right in front of the chest, and then you can just jump on that. True, yeah. I kind of forgot about that. I said I'll come back when I have better a better jump. Yeah, and some of the the basement stuff is definitely predicated on getting high jump, for sure. So in the hidden room, which is where you shoot fire at the pillar, which, again, a nice case of classic Kingdom of Hearts 1, uh, magic environmental problem solving where you shoot fire at the pillar and then that will lower the pillar in the treasure room which was blocking the door to the final room oh you used cast fire on that did you yeah what do you do i just smack it <laughs> i just aerial attack it oh interesting i can well, i guess i can safely say now that i know what you've done that both methods work <laughs> yeah I, I never thought to like hit it that's cool to know. I guess because yeah, it's it's like um, it's like above the water. So I guess in my mm, head, I, yeah, yeah, you'd have to cast magic or or jump to get it. But yeah. apparently, both work. It's good to know. Yeah, so many ways to solve the problem. Anyways, yeah, in that room, there's a secret passage where there are two chests hiding behind a wall, and I don't think you can get that until you get high jump, because then you can access the higher part of the room, and I think there's, like, a switch there. 
there may be another way to get there, but I couldn't tell you without going there, literally going there myself right now. Yeah, it it's out. it's very much, yeah, like kind of muscle memory, really. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar to Wonderland in that way, where you're like, I I know that you can solve everything in here. I just don't know how to do it right off the top of my head. Basically, yeah. There is the cool touch, the neat touch of um, Aladdin will use Abu to activate the um, some certain switches. So I guess I guess that's another thing he brings to the table. Yes. So I think I did. I know there was a. I know there is a blah, 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 attorney mark in the basement. So as soon as I got that, I went to the dark chamber save point, and then I swapped out for Aladdin because I know you need Aladdin for uh, yeah. activating some of the statues. I think it's just him and Beast who have sort of uh, context-sensitive actions like that. But yeah, it's it's just it's very Paper Mario-esque how your allies will have uh, certain abilities to use in the overworld to kind of um, solve puzzles and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I feel like they definitely could have expanded on that more. I think it could have been fun, yeah. I think Ariel might have fish talk. <laughs> I think like there are oh oh yeah there is there is one part in Atlantica where you need to get past a certain point and you do need to use Sebastian the crab. Yes, yes, so yes. So Ariel yes. must be in the party. Definitely. Yep, 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 yep. That's pretty much it. Like you said, it's much easier to navigate the basement area. Um once you have more abilities, it kind of trivializes it to be honest, but um mm-hmm. still fun to poke around like yeah, I was surprised this go-around how much fun I had exploring Agraba because, to me, you know, it's one of the more, like, overdone worlds. Like we said, it's one of the more common worlds in the whole series, so you're just kind of tired yep. of it. So by default, you kind of don't like it, but just looking at it, and the Kingdom Hearts one side of the like, there's a lot going on, you know? It's fun to explore. There's a lot of different areas. Very zen mode, where you're just kind of, you know, going through, ticking off the boxes, finding your chests and whatnot, so. Yeah, I had the ex- exact same reaction of, like, I don't remember it being this fun. Yeah, once we get through, you know, the rest of the worlds, I I think we can do, like, some sort of ranking at the end, so I'm mm, looking forward to kind uh, of yes. s- sitting down and figuring out, like, how the worlds stack up to each other. That'll be interesting. Yeah. I think that covers most of Cave of Wonders. <laughs> yeah, the the treasure room in the back is going to be a... It, yeah, it's also... There are, Acrobat is just chock full of save points now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Although, the treasure room is one of the, um, the temporary save points because you can get white mushrooms to spawn. Yes. The boys... Uh, well, we have... No, we don't have one of each spell yet at this point in the game, but we have most of one of each spell, or potentially can have one of each spell so far. Yeah, I think this is the first spot where they'll do the gravity charade. Definitely, yeah. I have vivid memories of the the little gravity animations, them just, they literally just float. Woo! <laughs> <Little> cutie pies. <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting room, because there's like a lot of different things you can do but i feel like you don't have to do them <laughs> so for example there's the red trinity mark which will lower a chest which i think you can just get to like if you had high jump and then i believe so yep there's 
the switch you can activate with Abu, which will blow you up to a stack of treasure, which, again, you, you don't even need high jump for that one. I think you can just jump on it regularly. Hmm. I think, I forget if I tried it or not, but if not, high jump will definitely get you up there. It's just kind of interesting how, like, overstuffed this room is, for real. You just, you can just get all the treasure chests in one go, really, if you just wait to come back with high jump. Sure. But, it is a red trinity mark, and to go back to the last episode, I can confirm that this trinity mark was colored like every other one, where it's just one solid color. So, yeah, I think that one trinity mark in Traverse Town in the waterway just had that dark outline, again, because it was in the water, so you might not have noticed it otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I can get behind that at this point. I was losing a lot of sleep over <laughs> you that You could rest mark. easy! <laughs> so, yeah, why don't we... Why don't we head on in to face old Jiffy Lube. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we get the sighting of the keyhole, which mm-hmm. makes me wonder, do you specifically need a wish from the genie in order to access the keyhole? No, but it's a way for Jafar to burn a wish, so I think that's fine. How would you access it otherwise? Not you need, sure. like, to, like, drill into the rock, basically. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just a very easy way to be like... So I'm trying to compare Jaf- now that we've just watched watched Aladdin. I'm thinking of Jafar's. This is we compare Aladdin's three to the in-game three. I'm thinking of Jafar's three to here. His are much wildly different, but yeah, he acts to review the keyhole. And to to be fair, we've made we've made fun of Aladdin burning through his wishes for absolutely no reason. I think Jafar is essentially doing the same thing. Yeah, it definitely feels like they had like a wish quota between the two of them. And they're just like, okay, we, we got to get rid of their three wishes. <laughs> yep. So yeah, he wishes for the keyhole, which that makes sense. And again, I think that's kind of a cool way to show, like, he's fully invested in the princess plots because he uses one of his precious wishes, which is like his whole life's ambition to find this lamp in the movie mm-hmm. anyway. And he just kind of throws it away for this plan that he just found out about, really. His next wish is just... <laughs> Crush them! <laughs> Throw out really obvious telegraphed hitboxes and warn your enemies that you're about to hit them so you can be completely ineffective. <laughs> yeah, but I love it. I mean, I mean it, makes, it makes no sense, but I love, I love in the fight that this happens. Yeah, it's basically a joke fight as far as I'm concerned. So when I was younger, this fight always seemed more exciting to me. Probably because he's, you know, the first real Disney villain you're fighting. So it kind of carries that weight to it of like, ooh, this is like, you know, a serious confrontation. Yeah. There are certain voice, there are certain voice lines that get ingrained into your head. Like, kid, I got two words for you, attack, because of doing Cerberus a million times. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, the, are you Maleficent? And she's like, peace! I remember doing that several, so I forget if... I just suffered a lot during this fight, or if the following boss fight, I just kept doing really bad and maybe didn't realize I could save in between. Maybe that scene just stands out because it is the first time Maleficent, or Sora interacts with Maleficent. Mm, Yeah, it could be that. Maybe it's just notable for story reasons, not necessarily having to watch it a lot. Yeah, because going through this fight right now, it's pretty, it takes a while because Jafar has a good amount of health and you have to mostly aerial attack him. But yep. it's not a hard fight by any means. No, not at all. I think the only move that poses any kind of threat is his um, laser beam attack, because it comes out really quickly, and it does mm-hmm. do a lot of damage. 
But as long as you're at full health, you can just heal it off. Yeah. Laser beams hurt a lot. And I guess his, um, like, staff slam, if you're, like, too up close, and he'll do, like, that, like, radial attack. But again, that's super telegraphed. You, it, you can see it coming a mile away. So as long as you don't get too greedy and just take a step back, you'll, yeah. you'll be fine. The ice storm, yeah, I think the ice storm can really mess you up if you get caught in it because you'll just get, it's, oh, I hit you, I hit you, I hit you with yep. no time to really dodge or guard or run away. But that's why you just avoid the center of the room. Yeah. Yeah, he's really annoying because he'll just fly away constantly. Like he'll go in his little ball form, show up on one platform, and then you climb to that platform, and then he's like, haha, just kidding, and then he'll fly away again. Boom. And he, he literally chants, over here! <laughs> yep. And you're like, oh my god, I hate you so much. <laughs> it's at least fun, like I, you were talking about, you know, Genie's doing his whole, like, who oh, please let me miss, run, watch out! And then mm. Jafar has a lot of wacky lines, particularly his, like, weird sorceress chanting. Like, what is he saying whenever he casts these spells? Because it definitely doesn't come from the movie. God only knows. I got pretty impatient by the end, because again, he kept just running away like a little baby. So eventually I just spammed thunder on him to take him out, and that got the job done. <laughs> but once again, this isn't even his final form, because no. much like the movie, he wishes to be a real genie. An all-powerful genie. So aside from the arena you fight him in which is very cool and dramatic um i would say that this is the worst fight in the entire game well well i uh one quick movie note that i will note that g does when he because the, the third wish is still the same he does the same cover his eyes and bing. yeah which i thought was a nice callback but okay so why in your opinion what defines this as the worst boss fight well it's got everything that was wrong with the last fight but now it's even worse because now the environment will shift and change so you don't even always have footing to attack Yago, and Yago will just fly away constantly and well not constantly but enough to where it's annoying and it's just a boring fight there's no real challenge to it you can easily avoid the giant molten rock and then that's pretty much it so it's mostly just a platforming fight, really, but really bad platforming because, yeah, they keep changing and, like, sliding into the walls. So the timing can get really annoying where, like, you just can't do anything for stretches of time. It's just not fun. I can I can definitely attest to that. I was, I was curious. I'm like, I'm just, I mean, I know what's bad with the fight. I'm curious to see if there's anything extra to add, but no, it's, it's pretty uneventful. Yeah, like, you definitely go on autopilot when you're, you know, going after that lamp. So, there's like there's no strategy to it. There's no sort of interesting mechanic, really. It's just okay. Just keep attacking the the poor parrot who can't fight back, basically. Yeah. Although I will say, I got through this fight very quickly this time, and that's because uh, after you beat Far, you are blessed with a Blizzard upgrade. So we now have Blizzara. And I took it to town on Genie Jafar, so you can act you actually can hurt him with magic. I don't know if it's just Blizzara or if Thunder would also work in fire, but obviously you want to use Blizzara because that's your strongest spell at this point. But depending mm -hmm. on when you hit him, because Blizzara has like the spread, you can actually do a ton of damage because he's a really big target. Oh wow. Yeah, I was actually surprised because this is the first time I really used this strategy because I, I always knew that you could use um, Blizzard on him, but I never really did it myself. But this time I was like, why don't we try it? 
And yeah. Correct. Yeah. If you like use it kind of like right after he throws a rock when he's like at his peak height of floating, you'll just hit him for a ton of damage with Blizzard. And yeah, I probably finished the fight in like less than a minute doing that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to deal with pesky old bird brain. So I was like, okay, I'm sold on this strategy. What about you? How did you fare? Just smack Iago a bunch of times. <laughs> Yep. Um, I know you can use magic. I don't... I forget if I tried once and I was like, eh. Just sort of like wet that wet my appetite and oh, I can try it this way too. But, yes. Yeah. I think I just mainly went after Iago and just said, nah, get after that lamp. And yeah, he gets tired from time to time. Like he'll, he'll love to see Iago like park his tokus on a far end and just kind of breathe heavily. But yeah. other than that, he tends to sit airborne most of the time, which... It's not fun, because one, just having to manage aerial stuff, and then two, the fact that the platforms are going to be constantly shifting. It does help the fact that we are going to be using Jungle King at this point, but it doesn't necessarily make it 100% better. Totally. By any means. Yeah, but you definitely want to be using Jungle King and not Kingdom Key. Yeah, there's really not much else to say about it. It's uh, it's not the best fight, and just beat up Jafar, and then you shove him back into the damn lamp. Yes, and I, I love the way Sora... Uh, says the line. <laughs> okay, Jafar, back to your lamp. <laughs> Although, why, why you gotta do Aladdin like that? So, or like, why didn't you let him have his moment? <laughs> this is my game. Yeah. So, yeah, beat Jafar, and then once you beat Genie for him, you will also get Fyra. So, I like how you kind of get the two base spells upgraded pretty much at the same time. Yeah. So, it's not like one is objectively better. <laughs> if you were concerned that, why I get a Blizzard upgrade before I get a Fire upgrade... Don't, don't you worry, a pretty little hit. It comes yeah. right after. I guess it makes sense, because... Well, I was going to say, because Jafar uses a blizzard spell, but he also does use a fire spell, so... Eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Now that the job's done, let's let's finish up here. So, uh, we have the keyhole, and I love how Aladdin, again, is basically freaking out over Jasmine. Like, Jasmine! Jasmine! Have you seen my Jasmine? Where's Jasmine? And he's like panicking in the background. And then Sora's just yeah. paying him no attention. And he just goes to Jasmine. the keyhole. And I'm just, just like imagining Sora being like, uh, Aladdin, can you can you like keep it down? I'm like trying to do my job here. Just thanks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like this. The animation of the Agrabah keyhole getting sealed. It's probably my favorite in the game, to be honest. Because mm. it's very detailed and very shimmery and glowy and... It's nice to look at. Specifically the effect of when, like, after you seal it, how the, like, wall kind of turns back to plain. But, like... Yeah. It looks like sand is kind of washing it away, basically, with, like, the magic glitter. I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really cool. And it does have a very unique uh, keyhole seal animation, which I've always kind of noticed as well. Yeah. After that, we get the the exciting, the daring, the most high-octane video game action, the magic carpet escape sequence, a.k.a. Luigi wins by doing nothing. Yep. A whole new world, but played at 500 times speed, please. Thank you. <laughs> I think this part is uh, kind of infamous. Well, not infamous, but it's widely known in the speedrunning community as your bathroom break part. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't do anything. I think, in fact, you want to die, because then that'll end it earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember it being so stress- stressful as a kid, because 
you'd imagine like, okay, well, if you die during the magic carpet, like you have to go all the way back. And I definitely don't want to do that. So I'm going to try my darndest to avoid these rocks. But no, Mm -hmm. there's absolutely zero consequence. And there's no real reward either. Like you just collect magic orbs, which, okay, there's no reason that you would need that. I was about to say, did you find any reason to use magic? Can you even use magic on the magic carpet ride? Nope. It's just another questionable minigame. Although it's not really a minigame, but you'd think it would be, much like the Olympus Coliseum barrels. So. Jungle Slab! Yeah, very half baked in that sense. But I guess it's nice that they tried. An attempt was made, I can say that much. It is made to mimic Aladdin getting out on, trying to get out on carpet because he doesn't actually make it out. Yeah, but exactly. It's a, it's minimalistic to say, to say, to say the least. Yeah. So after that, we get a cutscene with Agrabah. Or back at Aladdin's house, but let's just cut back to the the League of Villains check-in, because for some reason it's exactly interspliced in the middle. But um, yeah, cut to uh, Riku, we find out, is the real culprit behind um, kidnapping Jasmine. So I think we can also assume that he kidnapped Alice, or maybe yeah. not. I don't know. I can't imagine any of the other villains doing it. <laughs> can't imagine them being competent. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is the first, uh, I mean, I mean, in Traverse Town, we saw Riku and Maleficent talking, but Riku being like, I got the girl, didn't I? I was like, oh, you're actually on their side now. I'm gonna gun you down. Yeah, no, he, I, I took a note, he's like fully all in on the whole villain thing. Like he's palling up with all of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. In my notes, I have the same thing. He says Riku's convinced, and I have parentheses, but also smart question mark. I think I think I say that mainly because I think he realized if I think you can see this in is two ends. One of Riku actually believing in what they're doing, or just realizing that doing Maleficent's bidding is gonna be the easiest and most efficient way to getting Kyrie back to normal. Or his quest for Kyrie. Yes, but then if you remember the last time we saw him, he didn't seem too concerned about Kyrie. And if anything Throughout the rest of the cutscenes we see him in, it feels like he uses Kyrie as a way to taunt Sora. So maybe that's just him being a jerk to Sora, but like he does actually care about Kyrie, but it is very much mixed signals on like whether he is, like whether that is his main goal or does he just want, you know, to bask in that sweet, sweet darkness, baby. I say it's a little more Kyrie based from what i've seen he does when they meet they do he is like where's source like where's Kyrie?" he's like i thought she was with you yep i don't know i I think it's more he's got a goal and they're gonna help him achieve it at the end of the day and i i think that towards the end can get a bit muddled yeah and he starts dipping his toes in the darkness more and more but yeah so we do see in this exact cutscene uh maleficent dangles uh a Kyrie carrot a kyrit, if you will, uh, in front of Suiku <laughs> in like hologram form, and there's this really Kyrie. hilarious slash awkward beat where it just the camera like zooms in on like the little Kyrie hologram, and then it's probably at least a solid five seconds where Riku's loading his response, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just silent, and then it cuts to him like Kyrie, <laughs> uh, classic Kingdom Hearts one cutscene awkwardness. So yeah, that would suggest that he does want to find Kyrie. But, yeah, I don't know. 
It's uh, it's also weird because originally his goal was just to explore other worlds, and it seemed like he didn't really care about, you know, any collateral damage with the whole Destiny Islands getting sucked into darkness thing. But now he's all worried about Kairi, so like, you know, Riku, you need to sit down and you need to figure some things out. Because you're climbing around with a bunch of bad influences right now, going down a path that is just no good for you. I I really do enjoy the fact that uh, he just they don't have a gummy ship, so they do use Captain Hook's ship. Is implied to get around. Yes, we can talk about that more uh, during Neverland. But I just I do love uh, Captain Hook's one line here. Uh, I forget the first part off the top of my head, but he's like, "This is no pleasure cruise." <laughs> Does always stick out to me. Yeah, I love how he just like hams it up for the camera. Like you can tell he would like really practice that line and like wanted to get it right and he just gets that one one second to like mug for the camera and then it cuts back to the actual conversation (laughs) and then he's just standing there awkwardly i guess my part's done now (laughs) exactly so yeah that's that's pretty much it for the league of villains cutscenes. it is weird the timing when you look at the events of the next world which we'll get into in the next episode Yep. You would think that he would immediately go on Captain Hook's ship, but that's not the case. So, yeah, cut back to Aladdin's house for a little bit of epilogue action. So, much like Deep Jungle, uh, we we bask in our riches of the post-boss rewards for Agrabah. So, we got Blizzara and Fyra, but then... In a an act of pure selflessness... Aladdin frees Genie, but because he can't come with us to save Jasmine, he asks for Genie to go, which, I mean, how is that any different than just bringing Aladdin with us? So uh, they're, like, all concerned about meddling, but, like, you're still bringing yeah. a denizen from another world to a completely different world. <laughs> I feel like Genie, with his uh, supernatural power, supernatural, his uh, <laughs> if, uh, phenomenal cosmic power... He is almost, I was about to say Planeswalker in reference to magic, but he definitely has sort of an, op- we mentioned this earlier, like an omnipotence, and I guess could he be allowed to be taken on other worlds? And I, I feel like this could also be an akin to him at the end of the movie being like, I know, now I'm going to travel, because he's really traveling, quote unquote, oh. with us a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. Now that you say that, I... It would have been cool if they just had like some sort of dialogue like, oh, yeah, this would be a great chance to see more sights and stretch my legs. Something like that. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's that's a really nice connection. So, yes, Genie is freed. He Just like the movie, he get them legs, and he is now summoned. Yeah, and I'll also say I definitely prefer Genie's look with the bracelets, not to, you know, put him down or anything, but uh, he always looks weird to me yeah. without them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because in he, only at the end of a let, only at the end of the movie does he lose the bracelets, and then literally as right after, like I guess the next the next piece of medium is a lad to the return of Jafar. They go right back on, basically. So yeah, I was gonna ask. Even when you summon him, I'll take a look next time. Like I wonder if he actually mm-hmm. has the bracelets or not. He does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, we get a genie summon, and I'm indifferent. <laughs> I don't know. Do you find genie to be useful? He is. I I do like genie because mainly I just like the character. 
but I do think in certain instances he can be really useful. This may leave a mark. And this may evil go. Yeah. I think when I like the character, too, I like the sort of literally how Genie works. Just his party time. He'll lock onto a bunch of enemies. You tell him to fire off his magic and he just starts to obliterate everything in his pathway. Yeah. So for Kaizo play, I don't think I ever use him just because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like he just doesn't really do much. Anything you could do, I can do better. Yeah, pretty much. Because, yeah, I feel like he mostly just stops enemies, which, okay, that's fine. But, like, in the end, that doesn't really help a lot. It's kind of more annoying than anything, to be honest. But in level one proud, he's kind of, like, a godsend. Because there's, I don't know if it's an exploit or, like, a intentional feature of level one. There's this idea where you store your magic. So if you do a finisher and then you use magic after that, the magic will like store the damage output from the finisher or something like that where the magic will do a lot more damage specifically yeah. after finisher but that also applies to summons so if you do a three hit combo and then do genie every one of his spells does like a ton of damage so like if you go and look at level one runs like Ooh. like you could take out oogie boogie and like one shot basically with genie okay so that's neat but yeah i don't think he's particularly interesting but it is it is cool how he's like contextualized as just a gift summon so to speak like he's not from a gym like aladdin just gives him to you and yeah yep. like you said he does kind of have that freedom to travel because he's a genie yeah he is one of two summons that doesn't come from a summon gym in this game yes but that makes you wonder if they didn't come from a summon gym how are they being summoned <laughs> so like apparently genie always had the power to just appear in other worlds <laughs> but maybe it's keyblade magic who knows maybe it's maybelline so yeah got a new summon we also get green trinity which will let us access a very special shop in traverse town but we'll, we'll talk about that next episode i think and then lastly of course we get finally a new keyblade and the three wishes use it it's good i it's definitely useful um so its perk is it's got the six strength but then it's it's hard to deflect so when you clank with enemies for example the bandits basically you'll break their guard instead of them breaking yours which is yeah pretty i was handy. about to say i tried i tried to find what the hell difficult to deflect meant and i couldn't find any concrete answer <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the many things that King Horse 1 does not explain at all, really. And that I only know because I looked it up because other people had this exact question on the internet. <laughs> but yeah, basically every Keyblade has like a recoil stat where the lower ones, when you hit an enemy that's blocking, you'll bounce back. And then I think the mid-range ones, like you'll hit them, but then like nothing really happens. Yeah. And then the higher ones, like three wishes, you'll hit them and then you'll either break their guard or like if you have counterattack specifically equipped, like you'll immediately go into the counterattack. Like you don't break your stance basically. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So yeah, it's it's actually a really cool little mechanic that is just kind of there. And it's not in any of the other games, but I actually it's a nice way to like kind of differentiate the keyblades and kind of give them another stat that actually has like a noticeable difference on um, combat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But design wise, I mean, three wishes kind of bland to me. It, it, I guess it's not bland. It's got some decent colors going for it, but it's just like, 
what is this supposed to be? Like, it's more of an abstract design that's not really specifically Aladdin-focused. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it depends. I like it. It's simplistic. I So, while we were talking, I was trying to look up Difficult to Deflect as well. I Like, I tried before we started recording, and I tried during to be like, maybe I just missed something. It did remind me that in Kingdom Hearts Union, Cross, slash Dark Road now, uh, mm-hmm. the Keyblades have, a, like, a few upgraded forms, and... When you upgrade three wishes, it does get, like, a fiery aesthetic to it, which I think helps in, compared to the base form. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. I had no idea that was a thing, but that's actually mm-hmm. kind of crazy to me that they actually make new designs for the older Keyblades. <laughs> it's like digivolving. <laughs> I mean, basically, yeah. I think most of them start out... It might, it might depend on the Keyblade in in Union Cross, but some of them do start out looking different from their original counterparts. From the ones I saw, yeah, like the original look is actually kind of like one of the later upgrades, like you build up to it, which is kind of cool, and then from there, yeah. you'll add on to the base design for like the final forms. Yeah, pretty neat. So yeah, it's just nice to have a new Keyblade, because <laughs> I'm getting pretty tired of old Jungle King. Time to... Put it out to pasture. In in the route that we've gone of going through Deep Jungle first, we definitely had have had Jungle King for this is what the third world now. Yep. So time for a new a new uh, a new spanky vehicle to lead us through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's that's pretty much Agraba. So that is Agraba. There is one other thing we'll come to Agraba for, but. Oh yes, that's a story for later. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> for a, for another time entirely. So yeah, overall thoughts. Yeah, like we mentioned earlier, um, maybe it's because we're just taking a closer look at it for podcast sake. But yeah, I I enjoyed Agrabah a lot. Actually, I think it might have been the most fun I've had yet with the world. I can agree with that definitely. Yeah, like I was really enjoying my time. Uh, with this session and it really it really flew by usually it'll be like an hour to go through each world when i'm like taking notes but yeah this time i was just like like i said it just whizzed by and like before i knew it i was already at the boss and i was like oh man i'm having a great time there are definitely a few um chests and whatnot to come back to again once you have some upgraded movement i think most people will probably get the torn page during this first visit so yeah like we mentioned last episode that's also true we will cover all the winnie the pooh shenanigans in its own episode but yeah it's it's always exciting getting a torn page i think they're a pretty fun collectible so it's always like a little spark of ooh, yeah you get a torn page anything that's not a gummy basically will give me my dopamine All right, so that about wraps it up for episode eight. Thanks so much for listening. Next time we will be covering Monstro. The world that's also is a world, but not a world? You yeah. decide. <laughs> Make sure to put on your rain boots. That'll be next episode. In the meantime, mm-hmm. if you want to shitty chat with us, send us a question or a comment or a concern. Uh, you can email us at khbhpodcast at gmail.com. That's khbhpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find it in the episode description. Yep, or in the thick of it. These next few worlds are really where the game 
comes into its own, in my opinion. We'll only have more to talk about as the episodes go on. <laughs> Definitely. And I'll only have more to edit. We will see you next episode. I'm going to go grab a <laughs> soda. Because boy, am I parched after all this talking. You're going to go Agrabah a soda. Yeah. That was your pun. I'll give you credit. <laughs> Alrighty. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. To the gummy ship. Bye-bye. And away. And, and away. And away. <laughs>